0: SIN acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land, the house of SIN and studio stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. SIN also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Welcome to An Hour in the Life with Charlie Bell, the show where we discuss a unique person's passion and we find out what led them to that passion, Today I'm speaking with Imam Nadim. He is a religious leader in the Australia Ahmadiyya Muslim community. They are Muslims who believe in the latter-day messiah, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed. Imam Nadim is also a leader in the Muslims Down Under group, a group that is combating Islamophobia and extremism. Muslims Down Under presents six human values in their pursuit. These are no to terrorism, loyalty to Australia, separation of state and religion, freedom of conscience, speech and religion, no to discrimination, and, a powerly, and power and equality of women. Imam Nadim, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you?
1: Good. Thank you for having me, Charlie. It's yeah. wonderful to be here.
0: Fantastic to have you here. So you are an Imam, which is an Islamic leadership position similar to a Christian priest. Um, what are your day-to-day activities in this role?
1: Well, as an imam, um, first and foremost are the formal rites of po- uh, worship in Islam, the prayers in congregation, the uh, weekly gatherings in, in terms of e- we have Friday prayers. How in Christianity you would have the Sunday congregations, we have it on Fridays. And along with that, uh, we have uh, a lot of community works, um, uh, such as uh, uh, domestic work solving domestic issues Mm. then at the same time uh, we um, advisory uh, financial advisory um, taking care of the youth making sure that they stay away from drugs and alcohol.
0: Hmm. So are you based in one particular suburb in Melbourne or out of a particular mosque?
1: Well uh, I'm based here in Langhorne in Victoria but I'm the Imam representing the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Victoria. Uh,
0: So as mentioned in the introduction, Muslim Down Under is a group that's working to end extremism and combat Islamophobia. Um, how do you go about reaching this aim?
1: Well, Charlie, um, see, we have we started this campaign for the purpose of uh, making the Australians feel comfortable with Muslims. There's a lot of Islamophobia, and not only that, they a lot of Australians they have never even met a Muslim yet mm. they have these misconceptions about Islam or uh, they perceive or perception about a Muslim but all these things can go away if they just sit down and meet a Muslim. So they go on the site, they register first they, s- you know, we ask them do you agree with these six points Right, and these six points are valid that I think every Australian would agree with mm. and every Australian would uh, would be content and happy to see that every Muslim has these values in them and then second part of it is that they come and they sit down and any question they have regarding Islam, regarding the religion of Islam, regarding uh, what's happening in Islam, regarding the conditions of other countries which represent Islam, and then uh, the actual teachings of Islam. And all these things, and by the time they finish their you know talk, they have a totally different perception of Islam and they know that there's a lot of good Muslims in Australia Mm. serving them. You know, we have Muslims in Australia serving as doctors. We have Muslims in Australia serving in the military. We have Muslims serving in, you know, the uh, police department. And those who work with these Muslims, they know that Muslims are really good people. Mm -hmm. And they, if it was part of Islam to, you know, um, decimate everything other than Islam then how would you trust your doctors, your clinics, your uh, people in military, your authority here, even in politics? So this is very important that they understand what Islam is and they experience what a Muslim really is and what it means to be a Muslim.
0: So why do these misconceptions arise that um, some Australians may have? One reason I would say
1: is the media, Mm -hmm. how Islam is portrayed. See, there are some bad people who have nothing to do with religion, who have nothing to do with Islam, they have nothing to do with Christianity, nothing to do with Judaism. And for their own political benefit, or economic benefit, or even personal benefit, they cause chaos. And unfortunately, they do it in the name of God. And it is our job to remove these misconceptions from people's mind. See, these are the people, <coughs> you know, the bad people, the extremists, the radicals. Mm. For example, a person like you, Charlie, when you, upon seeing their mistakes or what they do or their atrocities they commit, mm. and you saying that Islam is a bad religion, they get happy. Mm. But even despite them doing that, you were to say, no, this is not Islam. And this is not the teachings of Islam. I assure you that they, out of wrath, they will bite their fingers that that's how angry they are, that you know they try their best to defame the religion of Islam, but it doesn't work. So this is why, this is their actual purpose. They have nothing to do with Islam. Mm. They wouldn't know the tenets of Islam. They wouldn't know the basics of Islam. They wouldn't know the pillars of Islam. They wouldn't know the articles of faith. Mm. They just do it because Sheer out of their own benefit. Nothing to do for Islam.
0: And why do they use Islam? Why why can't they blame it on something else?
1: It, this is a very good question. See, it's not just Islam. At different times, you have people take advantage of religion. Mm-hmm. Because it's one of the easiest ways to manipulate minds and have commit atrocities without you paying any tribute. For example, when you have to conquer land, mm-hmm. you have to pay a lot for a military. Mm-hmm. You have to, right? But if somebody was to take advantage of religion and show them that there is a hereafter, that you would be rewarded for it, and you don't have to pay anything, <coughs> you don't have to pay any mm-hmm. tribute, <coughs> no finances. That's why, you know, it's not only Islam. Mm-hmm. If you look at history, when Pope Urban uh, Pope II initiated the Crusades, in the name of religion. We know that Christianity doesn't teach that, mm. right? Crusades mm. were done and everybody came along. They didn't have to spend anything on the wars. And they would same thing in the Zealot regimes at the time of Judaism, when mm. they revolted against the Roman Empire. Similarly, you would see people in Islam also who would rebel against their countries. And, and one of the easiest ways to, you know, bend minds And to have them do your dirty work is in the name of God. Mm -hmm. And that also is ignorance, I would say, that people have to be educated and they have to know that you have to judge the religion by its teachings. Mm -hmm. Do not judge the religion by its people.
0: Right. Right? So back to Muslims Down Under, how do you connect Everyday Australians with Muslim Australians.
1: Well, I asked them first that how do you feel? <laughs> I asked them that have you ever been in a mosque before? Mm. So most likely, most likely they haven't been in a mosque before, not mm-hmm. not to a mosque, because if they've been to a mosque before, they feel they have some sort of comfort with Islam and they know what the religion of Islam is about. But the actual purpose or objective is it's not only them asking questions sometimes I ask questions Mm. and those questions are asked in such a way that it helps them understand Mm. that you know Islam is not a religion to be feared is to be loved and adopted right Mm. They, 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 they understand that it is the most simplest and beautiful way of life it does not you know promote killings it does not promote persecution it is a religion promoting equality and justice so i asked them that have you ever do you know any muslims around you some of mm-hmm. them they might right they say that yeah i have a coworker and i, s- I ask them that it's possible that you never just uh, you've never been comfortable uh, speaking to him or her about islam mm-hmm. because of the perception you have in your mind so i tell them you should ask them right ask these questions see their uh, virtues see how they are if uh, Muslims were bad people, you wouldn't trust them as your doctors.
0: What are some of the challenges you face when trying to help someone understand that Muslims are not what a lot of people perceive them to be?
1: See, the challenges are faced if we're not communicating. Mm. There is no challenges faced Mm. if they're talking to me. In fact, those challenges are being resolved. Mm. So that is the challenge. That, that this, this is the actual objective of it's Muslims like Down Under campaign, mm-hmm. that they sit down and they feel comfortable. Mm. And they come and they speak. If they come and they speak, it doesn't matter what they ask what they talk about. Mm. There are no challenges because now they're making bridges. Mm. But if they're not speaking, then that's a challenge. And I always take advantage and benefit of this situation when we're talking. So I tell them that, You know, every religion in this world right now is awaiting a Messiah. Mm -hmm. The Christians, the Jews, the Zoroastrians, even the Hindus and the Buddhists, they're waiting for a second coming.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The glad tidings I give them is that that Messiah has arrived. And his name. No, but he's not arrived in the Ahmadiyya religion. Okay. Right? He is the Messiah of the whole world. We are the people who have first accepted him already. If you don't accept him today, then either tomorrow you will, or your children or their children will eventually accept him. Because if he is a man of God, then God will show such signs which will prove his truthfulness. His name is Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad. Mm-hmm. He started, you know, just a uh, hundred years ago in a small village in Kadian. It's it's in India, a small village in mm-hmm. India. And he claimed to be that Messiah. Yeah. And he didn't claim only in the subcontinent of India, but wrote, uh, you know, letters to other leaders. There's, there's a, he, he, he presented a gift to also Queen Victoria at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he told the world that I am that Messiah that the world awaited, mm-hmm. who was supposed to come in the attributes of Jesus. Peace be upon him. Mm-hmm. That's why Jesus said that I would come again. It's an attribute, not that he would come again in his bodily form, but a person with similar characters, virtues. Everything I present today or what I present or what the community presents and why it sounds so beautiful and nice is because it's been explained by the promised Messiah islam who has helped us understand the religion of Islam mm-hmm. much better than how a lot of people have been mistaken in understanding the religion of Islam. Hmm. So this is the importance of the promised Messiah islam
0: Right, so uh, Mirza Gulan Ahmed, he was um, he proclaimed to be um, the next um, prophet or messiah uh, in the eighteen hundreds. How do his teachings vary from other um, Muslim uh, prophets and uh, messiahs?
1: Since the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and centuries after the religion of Islam slowly, because of misunderstandings, and there were certain um, uh, laws at that time in Islam which were uh, applicable at that time in Arabia. For example, the misconception about jihad. You must have heard the word jihad. It's a very Uh common word. So at that time, the word jihad actually means to strive, to -hmm. struggle at the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, because they were being persecuted. And physically, people in Arabia would unite tribes and come and basically not only commit a genocide to remove the uh, Muslims and the name of Islam from the face of the earth. So at that time, the struggle was that they pick up arms in defense Mm -hmm. of their families, of their children, right, and the religion, and they... Uh, promote the name of God and say that he is one and he is the greatest and nobody has the right to tell you that no, you have to denounce your God or your life is taken Mm -hmm. so that was the jihad at that time so promised Messiah Islam came and he explained that today there is not a single body or country or leader that tells you to denounce your God no western country tells you to denounce your God They give you that freedom. So that concept of jihad that you have in your heads, of the concept of the jihad by the sword, has to be taken out. Mm. Because jihad actually means to strive against the biggest of obstacles. Mm. And the biggest obstacle today is the materialism, temptations, Mm. desires. So he explained that excel in spirituality, become kind, Generous, become selfless, right? Mm. Have empathy towards the poor. Take care of others. Promote justice, equality. And forget this notion and idea that you have to go conquer the world and other countries by the sword in the name of God. Hmm. Hence, the promised Messiah, Islam was prophesied at that time that he would come and he would establish justice and peace in the world.
0: One of the aims of Muslim Down Under which we've just discussed is... Um, the uh, the aim to reduce Islamophobia. On the other side, you have um, the pursuit to prevent extremism uh, within your community. Is this um, a, r- a real potential problem?
1: Extremism within the community? Yes. No, 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 not at all, not at all. You will never see the Ahmadiyya Muslim community condemns each and every Terrorist activity or attack or anything mm. in the name of God in different uh, uh, places or countries, right? We've had in unfortunate uh, incidents or events also in Australia, mm. right? But we have to understand that that has nothing to do with the teachings of Islam. It's just like how any other person commits any, um, you know, uh, act of mm. violence. Mm. Right? It could be a Christian, it could be a Jew, but we would never assess that person or relate that incident to the religion mm. right?
0: so when there are these unfortunate very rare cases where someone does um, be- become extremist and join a group like Isis yeah. what why do they do this and what is their reason usually
1: um, see if you actually look at it I, I will start off with the Western point of view the, you know the, I, I, w- I was actually shocked and I would be confused to why do people? such a good lifestyle yeah. right yeah. i can understand those living in poverty those maybe whose mothers or fathers have been snatched because of a civil war mm. it's very easy to manipulate them that you stand up and you know pick up arms and guard yourselves because look what the infidels have done right they mm. can be mm. but those living in the uk and germany and australia and us and canada why would they go if you see their past life a lot of them will come from a criminal background already, mm-hmm. right? You would see that they wouldn't know the tenets of Islam, the basic tenets of Islam. Mm-hmm. They've never understood Islam the way Islam is presented. Mm. They wouldn't even know p- perhaps the actual Arabic uh, wording of the prayers. Mm. But they find this a way out for them, right? Just like uh, any other civil war that starts. And for a lot of people who join a rebellion, is because that's a way out. Has nothing to do with their actual satisfaction in religion. Mm. Or else you would find the most righteous of the righteous people actually going. If this was something actually ordained by God, you would see a lot of righteous people going. But this is not ordained by God. God does not promote killing, mm. especially killing of innocents. And it's one of the um, points in the Muslim Down Under campaign, the you know loyalty to one's country. In Islam, you are never allowed to rebel against your country. No matter how hard or what the hardships that you have to go through in the country, no matter how oppressed the leader of that country is, if you do not like the laws of that land, the option given to you in Islam is that you migrate. I know it's not an easy thing to migrate Mm. from a country, right? From a place. But that is the option given to you. But you can never pick up arms. Because what that will do is that will cause more chaos in the world. As we've seen in Africa, genocides being committed after a civil war. In, 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 in America, in uh, uh, so many different parts of the world, where there's a civil war and a group of people pick up arms against the government, it is an well. They could have a very good purpose of doing it in the name of freedom. In the na- but who actually suffer? Are the innocents who have never picked up arms? Mm. The rebels never suffer, nor do the actual authority or the government. It's the innocent people, the children. You have the country left with, you know, orphans and widows. Mm. This is why God Almighty explains that you are never to rebel against a country.
0: So, um, to move on to the Ahmadiyya religion, uh, how many Ahmadiyya Muslims are there in the world?
1: We're in tens of millions. Right in the world, mm-hmm. and it's spread over two hundred countries.
0: If someone's being um, bullied or being abused because they're a Muslim, how do you teach them to deal with that?
1: Personally, I've uh, in the community we've not had an issue yet. Oh, even even great. me, right? I was told mm-hmm. when uh, uh, see I grew up in Canada, and I did my studies in Canada, and uh, see uh, the most of the world they don't hear about australia a lot they they mm. don't talk about australia generally they will talk about europe they'll talk about what's happening in america canada but australia is kept very independent mm. and, right and uh, when i was posted in australia even myself i didn't know anything about australia mm. right and i thought it would be barren land with kangaroos and <laughs> uh, but when i came here it's a, it's a normal uh, western society so i was told that i would face uh, some racism. Mm-hmm. I would face Islamophobia, people fear Islam maybe, uh, and um, I lived three years in Queensland and by the grace of God sometimes even when I go groceries or when I um, I would drive from even Brisbane all the way down to Keynes or Townsville or Mackay and uh, um, you know b- where you wouldn't see a lot of Muslims in, in small mm-hmm. towns and areas. I found the people to be very friendly, Mm. right? Most Australians. It's possible it's because I would have my wife and my uh, baby boy with me. Mm -hmm. So they were extra friendly. But I'd never felt that they... It is possible that there are some ignorant people. Um, It's possible I haven't encountered them, right? Mm. But I do teach the youth, and uh, especially the women, that, uh, you know... because we've accepted the Messiah of the age, this is something that we would have to face. But if you were to know what we face, where we come from, in Pakistan, back home, or Indonesia, and they demolished our mosques. Oh yeah. We're not allowed to call them mosques. The Ahmadiyya mosques. Yes. yes. If we, de- you know, recite the declaration of Islam, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasul, we are to be jailed and imprisoned. Oh yeah. Just recently, you know, a week ago, they demolished another mosque, in Sialkot, in, 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 uh, right?
0: What is that, sorry?
1: Cial, it's a city in Pakistan, okay. right, very recently. Mm-hmm. Now, persecution in other countries similar to Algeria, right, mm-hmm. very recently they started. In Pakistan, it's part of the constitution. Mm-hmm. If I propagate the religion of Islam or any book of the Prophet Islam, I am to be imprisoned or hanged mm-hmm. until death. And this is part of the... Imagine a country with the constitution promoting such laws. Mm. Right? So if we were to have any sort of Islamophobia here, that persecution is not Mm. in any way, you know, that weighs more than the persecution where we come from. And we find it that over here it's not out of animosity and enmity. Mm. It's out of sheer lack of education. Mm. That's why we but because of the actual community works here that we do. Right. Australia Cleanup Day, the way we promote uh, loyalty to Australia mm. and how it's part of your faith. Right. The uh, tree plantation, uh, blood drives. Right. We we believe that uh, we teach our youth that uh, Islam teaches not to shed blood, but to give blood. Mm. Right? You have to go. Everyone must give blood. They must uh, 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 make a, or, or share in humanity and promote goodness and good virtues. Mm. So a lot of people, they know the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, even within Victoria. Mm. And um, uh, because of that, I guess personally towards the Ahmadiyya community, there's not such uh, indication of Islamophobia. But maybe perhaps personally, where a person is alone walking or in a mall harassed, um, I would, or personally, we have a spiritual head, the Khalifa, who guides us, mm-hmm. right, who explains to us that we deal with uh, uh, kindness, patience, and steadfastness, because these are the people who are just oblivious to the actual teachings of Islam. Hmm. But like I said, it's nowhere in comparison to the persecution that we have from where a lot of us have come from.
0: So why does that persecution occur in, the, in countries like Pakistan, Indonesia?
1: It's... That persecution is necessary to fulfill the truthfulness of a prophet.
0: And right? what's, what's that? For example,
1: Jesus be upon him. Was he not persecuted?
0: Yeah, th- he, yeah he was. Right. Certainly.
1: Yeah. His disciples were persecuted. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they were threatened. Even the early Christians after who had to live, they called the Christians the, the people of the caves. They lived in the caves up until the uh, King Constantine the Emperor Constantine of Roman Emperor. Who, uh, this is the truthfulness of a religion. Wherever, whenever a prophet came, one of the ways that a religion shows its true colors and light, that when all odds are against you, still a person is willing to die for that cause, one of the highest cause.
2: Mm.
1: right? See, today a person is not even willing to die any materialistic cause. You would give me your car, you would give me your house, to save your life, Mm -hmm. right? But if I were to say that you denounce your God or I am going to kill you, what is it inside a person that tells him that I will not denounce him? He can even just say it falsely, right? Just to save Mm -hmm. himself. Jesus could have said it and he would have been saved from the cross. Correct? Uh, Right. Similarly, at the time of the Holy Prophet, the companions could have said it and they would be saved from such tortures. Similarly, in Pakistan, we could easily say we denounce Mm -hmm. and we would be saved. But it's something, that spark inside, that that level of certainty is only God-given. This is the truthfulness of a religion, that God wants to show that, look at these people. Do you think that they're offered money, property, wealth, this is why they're doing this? And they're upholding their religion? No. It's something they believe in, that they've seen God, they've spoken to God, they've been revealed by God. Hmm. And that certainty they have in meeting God is so high that their level of righteousness and their level of loyalty to God is so high that no matter how much you persecute them, they will always come out victorious. Wow. And they will be willing to give their lives. So that's why this is how the persecution is there. It's one of the signs. We we take it as that uh, uh, any time God Almighty has sent a prophet in this world, you've had people who try to interfere or make obstacles in the ways of the works of the prophet. One of the criteria of truthfulness of a man of God or a prophet or a Messiah is also that he will never be overtaken by enemies and opponents we have examples of Noah prophet Noah peace be upon him they didn't believe him he said a flood will come in my sign mm-hmm. right and it came the same so, same people who mocked at him right God Almighty out of uh, as a sign showed him that he was a true prophet similarly about Jesus peace be upon him the Ahmadiyya Muslim community as a promised Messiah Islam, disclosed and he explained to us that Jesus peace be upon him he was put on the cross but he survived the cross and we believe that he migrated towards Kashmir where the rest Mm -hmm. of the tribes the Israeli tribes were and his grave today is in Kashmir that's an Amadeya belief (laughs) Yes, <laughs> but it wasn't only in Ahmadiyya there will, you will find a lot of other authors who have written on it. Nikolai Nodovich has written mm-hmm. about this or another book King of Travelers how Jesus traveled towards India because this was his mission and, uh, because this will go off topic but it is necessary to believe that God Almighty always saves his prophets and his messengers mm-hmm. and we believe that he has uh, uh, he survived the cross and uh, he would not be Uh, killed by the enemies to prove their point. Because the enemies at that time were the Jews and they believed that he who dies on the cross dies a cursed death. Mm -hmm. They really wanted to prove that he's not a man of God. Mm -hmm. And if he dies on the Mm -hmm. cross, whether it be for three hours or three days or seven days, they would win. Mm -hmm. Then there is no accountability on them from God because they believe that they did exactly what they were supposed to.
0: So, moving on to your background, where were you born?
1: I was born in Pakistan. Oh I was born in Pakistan. In which part? Um, in Karachi. Okay. Right? It's uh, the province of Sindh. And uh, I was about 8-9 years old when we migrated mm. um, to Canada.
0: And what, and what uh, did your parents do for a living in Pakistan? At that time,
1: my father, uh, he's a civil, uh, so electrical engineer. right? Yep. He worked in steel mills. He had a good job. In fact, mm. Before we migrated to Canada, we were very well established in uh, uh, Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had his own business. Mm-hmm. But conditions in Pakistan were such that uh, um, it wasn't safe for uh, our community members, for the upbringing of uh, our children, uh, brothers and sisters. So when he had the opportunity to migrate, just like so many others, in '97. Uh, mm-hmm. we migrated to Canada. So I did my primary and uh, secondary school in Canada. Mm-hmm. And after that, uh, under the divine guidance of uh, His Holiness, is Mirza Masroor Ahmad, uh, there is a university, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a 7 years course in theology and language. It's called Jamia Ahmadiyya.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I finished my studies there, became a missionary oh, wow. and uh, a devotee. Basically, I've devoted my life for the service of Islam, and the uh, actual objective and the mission of the promised Messiah, Al Islam.
0: Huh. So, was it um, an easy move for you at that age? At that age,
1: I would say it wasn't so difficult, mm-hmm. right? At that age, as a young child. Yes, it yeah. would be. Mo- I, I know that it was very difficult on my parents, mm. because when you move, uh, we were all uh, we we're. In total, we're five siblings, five brothers and sisters. we three brothers and two sisters. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I'm eight, nine, and I'm the eldest one, that means we're all born, all five of us. They're all younger than me, so we're all small, Mm -hmm. all five of us. So my father, whenever you move to another uh, foreign land, uh, your previous degrees don't hold much. You have Mm -hmm. to, again, give examination. Now, either he can study again and, uh, uh, you know, start his career again, Or he has to provide for his family, right? Mm. Maybe if we were only one, two children, then it wouldn't have been so difficult. So Mm. because of that, then he had to get into labor work. And uh, he's done that all his life in Canada. You make that sacrifice for the prosperity in your children. Mm. So by the grace of God, now after me, my uh, sister, she's a teacher there right every my rest of my family is in canada mm-hmm. right my other sister she's a human resources mother brother uh, he's also in the same university i was in so mm-hmm. he will become a missionary and my youngest brother he's an architect mm. so because of his hard work right my father's hard work mm-hmm. and my mother's devotion and uh, this is the story with all those who have migrated even in yeah. australia uh, so the sacrifices of the parents they don't go in vain mm. right
0: it is a beautiful story, that immigrant story, isn't it? Yes. When the yes. children go and do fantastic things with their lives. Yes, hardworking ethics provided to by their, their parents. Um, as you were growing up, were your friends both Muslim and non-Muslims?
1: Yes, I've had uh, uh, Muslim friends, Muslim friends within the community and outside the community. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. community. Yes, they will. Yeah. So why? They, because I already explained to you that the persecution for the Amdi community, our concern is not Islamophobia. The people outside have mm. always found them to be very friendly, mm. but sometimes it's difficult dealing with some Muslims mm. who some are not or Yes, or Shia, or, yeah. uh, or, or the, the mainstream Muslims who uh, really denounce you uh, because you have I- accepted the Messiah of the age, mm-hmm. right? And uh, they, but. Uh, in, in Canada, uh, we did not have a um, difficult time in, you know, m- promoting friendship and uh, explaining to each other. I think as children, they have a different mindset mm-hmm. rather than uh, the elders. Mm-hmm. And we weren't scholars back then. So we would just, you know, uh, go to school, play sports and enjoy each other's companies. So in Canada, we haven't, uh, I didn't face that persecution that was there in uh, Pakistan.
0: Hmm. Uh, what were your passions as a teenager?
1: As a teenager, because oh, it's it should be explained that uh, I've been devoted before my birth. Wow. So in the community, the fourth caliph he initiated this that uh, while the baby is in the womb of the mother, mm-hmm. the parents have this choice to devote that child to the service of Islam and caliphate. Even prior to his birth, mm. and then when he's or she is born, he or she is born, then they, that child knows that his first purpose is for the good of humanity. Mm. His first pur- purpose is for the propagation of the message of the promised Messiah, Islam. And no matter what field he or she chooses, mm-hmm. they have to serve mm. and uh, obey the uh, His Holiness, the spiritual head, Hazrat Mirza Masroor So this system was initiated based on the devotion that was, see, the first uh, devoted child Mm. was, and it's in memory of that child and commemoration, Mary, mother of Jesus, peace be upon her. When uh, the mother of Mary, peace be upon her, when she was in the belly or the womb, she devoted she thought that it was a boy, most likely, right? When, mm-hmm. when Mary was in the womb. Ball. And uh, it, it's in the Bible and the story in the Holy Quran that she devoted that child to God Almighty, that whatever is in my womb, I devote it in your service mm. towards righteousness, towards prosperity of humanity, and that this boy will... So she thought most likely it would be a prophet, right? It'll mm. be bo- but when the child was conceived, it was a girl. It was Mary. So the story comes in, in, in the Holy Quran that the uh, mother, she uh, asked that, uh, but this is a girl, it's not a boy. Mm-hmm. So God Almighty says that, I know it's a girl. And I knew since the time he was in the womb that it's a girl. But you don't know the great service to humanity this girl will do. Mm-hmm. And it was through this girl that a great prophet named Jesus, peace be upon him, was born. Mm-hmm. So it's based on this sacrifice and devotion that within the the community we have a system that even prior to a birth uh, in a family uh, one or two or even all children are devoted Mm. and this is a great sacrifice from the parents right Mm. it's not easy because now you do not have that right on that child Mm. right now that child you have given in the service to God You cannot say that, no, I want you to go out there and, uh, you know, uh, earn a lot of money and then take care of us. You have given that child for the service of Islam. Mm. And that sacrifice will not go in vain. Mm. So based on that, in my house, we're five. I'm the only one who was devoted before childhood. So I already knew that I will carry out this message of the promised Messiah, al-Islam. so I thought out of whatever field I pick, this is the best one, that I actually become a missionary, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I, you know, I, I teach my community members, I propagate the message of Islam, and I do exactly what I'm doing here today with you.
0: Mm, fantastic. Mm.
1: And I would uh, explain to people that no matter what problem they have, sometimes certain problems in this world where they think that they're in such affliction and turmoil that there is no getting out of it. The only hope is prayer, right? Mm. Uh, How
0: how do you pray?
1: Well, uh, the closest that a man is to God in this world is in prostration. Mm -hmm. And Charlie, prostration means that when you must have seen... We have formal, you know, a proper way of uh, prayer where we stand up, we, you know, then we bow down, and then there's a prostration where our forehead and nose touches the ground, Mm -hmm. right? While knees on the ground, right? Yes. This prostration is very important to establish that nearness nearness with God. And what a lot of people don't understand is that every prophet in this world established that nearness of God and their relationship through these prostrations. Mm -hmm. And I would urge the youngsters who are listening to this program that they at least try it once, Mm -hmm. at least once in their life. Mm -hmm. Follow your prophets and he will lead you to the same prostration. Mm -hmm. Right? Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, in the gardens of Gethsemane fell on his face and he prayed to God. Prophet Moses fell on his face, prayed to God. Joshua fell on his face, prayed to God. David fell on his face, prayed to God. Abraham falls on his face, prays to God. The Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, teaches the rest of the mankind to fall on your face and pray to God. This falling on your face is not falling on your face. Mm-hmm. It means that prostration. Yeah. We have so many ways of worship that in the world we do today, but we have left the actual ways of worship that our prophets taught us. There's a reason. There's a secret in it. There's a reason why they did it. When you're alone at night, try it, Mm -hmm. wash yourselves up, cleanse yourself, go in a room, have a clean mat or a clean surface, and just go in submission. Mm -hmm. Ponder and reflect upon your deeds, upon your intentions, and ask help for God Almighty. Mm -hmm. And know that one day you will return to Him no matter how much a person believes or does not know, at the end of the day, one day you are to return to Him. And everything you you have done in this world is taken accountability. Mm -hmm. It's possible it goes unrecognized in this world. But you will, if you have done good, God Almighty will reward you for it. Mm -hmm. But if you have done evil and bad, it's possible you get away in this world. But God Almighty says you will be punished and reformed for it. Because this world is a test. But God says that I am a God of mercy, kindness, and compassion. If you have made mistakes, if you have done wrong to your soul, Mm -hmm. then repent. But that repentance is not by shedding blood, it's by shedding tears. So naturally, the reason why a person prostrates or goes in that submission, when you're in that state in the later part of the night, you will have this different feeling inside you mm-hmm. and then you will understand why the prophets did it oh. tears just naturally start flowing this, this I, I, it gives you a very different feeling and uh, you study yourself more you self reform yourself mm-hmm. and you realize that sometimes what kind of a selfish person I can be or how arrogant I can be and then you make yourself a better person so this is why it's very important to reform yourself
0: do you feel that some people some people meditate in the form of self reflection? Yes. Is this the same process?
1: Yes. The thing is this is the actual purpose is that. But in that meditation, they've left God out. This is what prophets did. This prostration is a meditation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But how fortunate are you that you have meditated and achieved the nearness of God than that person who has only mere meditated but no relationship with God? See, God is as real as you and I in front of each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The only test is that He wants you to achieve Him. Mm. He wants you to work hard and find Him. This is the test mm. because if it was something that's so impaired, apparent, and He says that I will show myself to everybody, then it wouldn't be a test. Everybody will be a righteous person, mm. right?
2: Yeah.
1: Everybody would. You wouldn't need to send prophets. You wouldn't be persecuted, you wouldn't have this level of loyalty, and you know that relation. But this is there because God Almighty said that I've created man as the highest of beings, so they can reach the spiritual heights that no other creation can reach—no animals, not mm. plants, mm. not angels, not the sun, the moon, nothing. Mm. So this is why it's important to understand and have that relationship with God, because this world is a very temporary world. Mm. Tomorrow you are to leave it. But whether your body over here in this world is buried, or burnt, or drowned, there is a hereafter for you. And that is taught by each and every prophet. Mm. And that this world is not the end. It's a very temporary world. And we have to understand this. And we have to understand that those who achieve that nearness and love of God in this world, they will achieve that love and pleasure of God in the hereafter. They will know that what the purpose was. because. A person is to be rewarded for his good virtues. And there are a lot of people in this world, and the criterion is not only Islam. The criterion to the pleasure of God is not Islam. If there's a person who is a Jew or a Christian or an atheist, if he does good, if he takes care of the neighbors, if he's generous, right? he respects his Mm -hmm. elders, he has good morals in him. He and she guards their chastity. They don't indulge in immoralities. The criterion is not Islam for the judgment of the hereafter. Hmm. There are weaknesses in all of us. Some have weaknesses that we're prone to evil in such a way that we use foul language. Some will have a weakness that he's very proud and boastful. Mm -hmm. Some have a weakness that he's attached to the materialistic world, doesn't realize that everything he has, he should be grateful of. He has two arms, two legs. You know, eyesight. He can hear, he can smell. So many people in this world do not have five senses. We're so fortunate. But yet he's so indulged and has become so selfish that he looks towards cars and property Mm -hmm. and money and doesn't realize that what he or she already has. And this is very important. That prostration will teach you. Mm -hmm. This is why it's very important to study yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not that you will become a monk. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you become a monk. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that it will help you in reflection, contemplation, in understanding not only God, Mm -hmm. but yourself.
0: Fantastic. Imam Nadeem, I think that's all we have time for today. It's been fantastic to have you on the show and hear your insights. Thank Um, you, Charlie. Very appreciative.
1: It's a pleasure being here. Thank you.